Welcome to FO Podcasts. With me is Christopher Rupershell, uh, whom elderly ladies in town have designated <laughs> the most eligible bachelor in Washington, D.C. I am uh, el- I'm eligible. That's, I'm, my mom is serious about it, but I am eligible. That's true. Uh, well, yes. And, and um, I was wondering about um, a fat and ugly chap who seems to be much more popular with younger ladies than you. Oh. Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's also more popular with DAs, district attorneys at the moment. Exactly. So so uh, this popular chap with beauty queens and porn stars uh, seems to be in trouble. What's going on, Yeah, em- emphasis on the porn stars right now. Well, the answer is this case appears to be a bit of a bank shot, maybe even quite a bank shot. And, and even Democrats who've been rooting this on don't like hey, it. Hold Our Indian listeners and, and our European listeners, tell them what a bank shot is. A uh, bank shot, it, it is something that you hope to achieve by other means. So in basketball, you hit it off the back of the board to try to get it in the hoop. So it takes an angled play here. At any rate, the charge, I'm going to walk you through this charge just to understand why mm-hmm. it appears to be a bank shot. And the charge is falsifying business records and paying off to women. But that's a misdemeanor and it's past the statute of limitations. So whole fire. Statute of limitations in law generally is the time limit to charge someone. So let's say someone did something which wasn't hugely major and five years elapse, or seven years elapse, or eight years elapse, whatever the limitation is in the country, after that, you cannot charge them. Right. And in this case, I think it was two years. So the DA, District Attorney Alvin Bragg, is saying that this misdemeanor, the way it gets around this, was in furtherance of another crime, which bumps it up to a felony. And, and what is a felony, very uh, quickly? Uh, well, a felony is a criminal charge as Brilliant. opposed to a civil charge. Yeah, as opposed to a misdemeanor, which a is- A misdemeanor, A misdemeanor right. is, you know, where you're Italian and you pinch someone's bottom and you say, well, uh, I made a mistake, all in, right? In today's world, I don't know if, that, if that's even well, a misdemeanor in America. And in Italy, that's in still mi- a mis- yeah, exactly. misdemeanor. <laughs> exactly. You have your bunga bunga parties and that's okay too. In you could be PM. Exactly, you, know? you could be prime minister. Yeah. But- if, let's say, you were engaging in the sort of stuff that that Hollywood chap, what was his name, the producer. Uh, oh, Weinstein. Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein. If yeah. you're doing what Harvey Weinstein is doing, then it's a very serious crime. It's a felony. Yes. So that's the distinction. Right. So they're getting around this misdemeanor as well as this two-year statute by saying this misdemeanor was in furtherance of another crime. And that bumps it up to a felony. You get around the statute. So what is the other crime? Well, it seems to be that Trump falsified his business records to cover up a damaging story. And here's the important part, while he was campaigning for federal office. So this is basically a campaign finance violation. Now, I say seems to be because this pivotal allegation even isn't even spelled out in the indictment. So in Alvin Bragg's words, he says, Quote, the law does not so require, end quote. And who's Alvin Bragg? Alvin Bragg is the district attorney for Manhattan who is bringing this case. Mm -hmm. So that's very odd. The the federal government actually looked into this, declined to prosecute. So did Alvin Bragg's predecessor. They looked at it. But now New York is sort of reversing itself and stepping in to bring a federal suit that the feds declined to prosecute. And many suggest the New York DA prosecuting a federal crime is not permitted. So the underlying federal campaign finance law itself even says that this law doesn't apply to federal elections except in peripheral matters. So what does that mean in brass tacks? 
Bragg will have to argue that campaign finance is tangential to the crux of his argument. Is tangential or critical? No, is tangential. Okay. Because the, the federal election, it's a law itself it. says that they can't go after it unless it, it is peripheral. So Bragg has to show also Trump's mens rea, his which state means of intention. mind. Yeah, so the crime is not just the act, which is the actus reus, uh, so the action itself, but you have to prove that someone had the intention. Let's say, a very simple example, if our Texan friend was playing with his gun and it went off mm -hmm. um, and I died. It would be a very sorry thing, of course, for me. Maybe not so much for him. <laughs> now you got to move your body but, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, that in itself would not be tantamount to qualify for murder unless the uh, prosecutor could prove that Christopher Rupeshel intended to put a bullet through Atul Singh's heart because he's a smart Ooh, ass. I'm a good shot, aren't yeah, I? Yeah, exactly. Even accidentally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. you know, uh, and then, uh, you know, if he could prove it was intentional, not accidental, mm -hmm. then Christopher goes to bad jail and gets to pump iron. That's right. I do. I do. A lot of other dudes. Um, so kind of my three questions are this. Why is the DA bringing these charges now? This seemed to be on the minds of a lot of people who were in the room for the press conference Bragg had, and, and he didn't really answer that. Some asked, is there new information? And Bragg suggested there might be new information. So two, what is DA Alvin Bragg's long game? A lot of people say this looks very political. And so you mean he is the first ambitious district attorney in America? Well, he's being fed, his donors will love this. He's being no, I mean, fed by everyone so, else. So yeah, district yeah. attorneys have, Elliot Spitzer in the past, sure. arose from that very office or a similar office. And many district attorneys have made their name on the carcasses of other politicians and criminals. After all, Rudy Giuliani was a top prosecutor before he became a politician. So Absolutely. it's a familiar path in America. It is. And not only that, he gets to be the first DA to ever indict and prosecute a former president. Oh, he's written his name in the history books. He Bragg. has. Bragg has done well. He can brag about it. He can brag. And uh, you know, the joke <laughs> makes itself. There's a lot of that floating around. And of course, the big question is, what does uh. this mean for Trump? Now, it's worth noting the trial, the next court date, isn't until December. And we're going to be pretty close to the Iowa caucuses thick in the time period when, when he's running for office. So how does Trump utilize this and how do Democrats weaponize this and, and everything It's a else? whole fire. I mean, uh, The Economist and many other pundits, word from India, of course, shamelessly stolen by the British, uh, <laughs> <laughs> along with that word loot. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, they are opining that this is like Twitter in the previous campaign for Trump. This has given yes. his flagging campaign oxygen. Trump is now back. And this is a scary proposition for the Democrats. Well, in some ways, quite the contrary. Yeah. Democrats love the idea of mm -hmm. Biden running against Trump. They're mm -hmm. worried about DeSantis. So, I mean, I'm talking of the pundits right now. Not, oh, the pundits, and the, oh, and absolutely. the economists, not the Democrats. Oh, look, look, for the they, Democrats. They, they worry that Trump could be back like Dracula. They do, and that's a good thing for them. But the other thing they like about this is any time- Who's they? Democrats, I'm okay. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Any don't, amount don't of time. Any, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not, not all pundits are Democrats. The ones I've been watching are. Yeah, and, yeah. And but you live in America, mate. I do, I uh, do. But any time spent talking about Trump is time not spent talking about inflation or economic concerns, or the impending 
disaster, in my opinion, of entitlements in this country. So, you know, they kind of like having Trump front and center. And I maintain they've always resuscitated him. I mean, the January 6th committee was decidedly skewed in its composition. And this gave Trump the ability to fight back. And, and, and you make the argument that in the primaries, Democrats boosted Trumpsters and centrist Republicans like you got left in the wayside. That's that's true. Not only yeah. did they boost them, they funded them tens mm -hmm. of millions of dollars and almost uh, they all lost. OK, so uh, crack on, crack on. Let's rifle through this. We have other issues. Well, to cover so too. What, Bragg's clearly bringing this about for political reasons. He may think he's got something going on, but yeah. Bragg has also refused to prosecute a lot of felonies. So people are saying, well, you're not you're softer on crime, but you're going after Trump. Would anybody other than Donald J. Trump be indicted criminally and prosecuted criminally for these charges? And a lot of people are saying, Probably not. So it's a weak case and it also exemplifies double standards on the part of Bragg. I think it does. And so what does this mean for Trump and what does this mean for America? And everyone is talking about that. No one knows for sure. People have talked about how dour Trump appeared in the courtroom. However, people are also commenting that he loves it. He gave a rally that very night after mm. he made his first yeah, yeah. appearance. I mean, he has a lot of energy, I must say, for he, an old man who eats hamburgers. He does. He's not low energy, is he? Yeah. Uh, so, no, 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 you could learn something from him and I, be more popular <laughs> with young women. You know. I could. I could, yes. <laughs> Trump has a lot of energy, there's no doubt. Yeah. No one really knows how this will affect his standing in the polls. Right now, Trump, in a head-to-head -head with DeSantis, his chief opponent, Trump's out ahead. But then when you pair DeSantis against Biden and Trump against Biden, only DeSantis wins. So, so this is bad news for DeSantis. Well, it's bad news for DeSantis, A, because he's not in the news anymore. And Democrats oh, enjoy beating him. What a poor chap. Yeah. I mean, he gave Disney a beating and even that was not enough. That, and that didn't work out so well, did it? So <laughs> at any rate, no one knows exactly. Trump oh. is enlivened by this. We're going to have this courtroom showdown in the thick of the primaries. And no one knows for sure who comes out on top. This will certainly animate Trump's base, no doubt about that. So on the whole, this may be good news for Trump. The jury is still out what happens thanks to this case for America. Yes. Okay. Now, so from, from that, let's let's go uh, into something a bit farther afield. Mm. Taiwan. We uh, we recently well, had a visit here. Uh, President, from the President Tsai Ing-wen yes. came and met the Speaker of the House on U.S. soil, the very first time in history. At the Reagan Presidential At the Library. Reagan, that I think exactly is noting. Library, the Great Cold Warrior. That's right. So so that's made, that's ruffled a lot of Chinese feathers. They understandably are, so. Understandably, but they're in a bit more of a precarious position than they were when Speaker Pelosi went. There's- I mean, look, I mean, let's uh, loop back uh, as uh, Rory Stewart says in his podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and look at the broader issue. Well, both the nationalists and the communists had a bish-bash-bosh in Taiwan. The Chinese Communist Party won, the Kuomintang lost, and actually that was the first time the CIA, which was then the OSS, intervened abroad. So America goes back a long way. And in fact, many of the Americans involved in the thick of it mm -hmm. took the view that the communists were more impressive, the Kuomintang were far more corrupt, and the communists would win, ipso facto, America should have bet on the communists. But given America's ideological predilections, mm -hmm. uh, America basically backed Guomindang and things carried on until a Republican president, actually, Nixon, mm -hmm. Richard Nixon, 
took the U.S. to China, and under Henry Kissinger, the Chinese and the U.S. had a deal, and as for that deal, going back to 1972, they have a one-China policy. The U.S. has a one-China policy. What does that mean? The U.S. recognizes that both Taiwan and China are basically one country. Now, it was fine at the time because Guomindang at that time ruled Taiwan in a dictatorship. They believed in the one China principle, and the Chinese Communist Party believed in the one China principle. Taiwan has since then become a democracy, and as democracies tend to, it's become messy. President Tsai Ing-wen is from the Democratic People's Party. She's not from the Guomindang. Mm -hmm. Taiwan has been de facto independent for a while. There's a desire now uh, to basically behave as an independent state and have the recognition on top. And uh, basically, the times have moved on. And America's one China policy, which China calls one China principle, very different, are now under strain. Well, and also Biden has thrown, you know, made the waters a little bit muddier with several comments about how we would go to Taiwan's aid. Now, the Chinese right now are in an interesting position because there is a former Kuomintang president who's touring the country. Additionally, the Chinese probably know that anything they do right now could taint the upcoming election and drive the Taiwanese away for the, from the Kuomintang. Yeah, look, I mean, the, uh, at the heart of this issue, there are three um, dilemmas. What is the dilemma for Taiwan? Well, Taiwan wants to defend its autonomy and not provoke invasion. Mm -hmm. What is the dilemma for China? It wants to assert ownership and avoid war, especially with the US. Yes. What is the dilemma for the US? It wants to deter a potential Chinese invasion whilst doing enough or doing just about enough without provoking a Chinese invasion. So everyone is walking a tightrope right now. And there are complaints that arms sales to Taiwan have been slower than many would want. Obviously, one, the U.S. doesn't want to provoke China too much. Two, a lot of our arms and munitions that we have in storage and stockpiles are being depleted because of the war in Ukraine. So there's not as much to go around. There's not enough, frankly. So uh, it, it's a bit more of a tightrope at, at this point. Yeah. Um, the, but, but the Taiwan issue will not go away. It is one of the great flashpoints in the world. And if you want to learn more, you should go to the dialectic where retired CIA officer Glenn Carl and I discuss this in great length. Uh, one of the things before we move on to the next topic uh, to remember is that Taiwan is basically the mecca of semiconductors, particularly the most advanced ones, largely designed here in the US, but they are manufactured to a high degree in Taiwan. They have bet big on this, and therefore Taiwan is super important, not just to the US, but to the rest of the world. Well, it's also worth noting the company to which I believe you're referring, TSMC. TSMC. Yes. There's a long, uh, not long, short explainer piece on Fair Observer, which I wrote about it. They want to build a large factory here, and they want to use a recently passed bill to get the some Chips subsidies, Act, the yeah. CHIPS Act. Yeah. And so which Taiwanese worry about, because uh, if the CHIPS Act succeeds here, then there's less of an incentive for the of, US of to course. go and defend Taiwan. So it gets very, very, very tricky. But it, it also gets tricky in that there are additional regulatory burdens that have been placed within the CHIPS Act that are driving costs way up 
And so the Taiwanese are saying, hey, this, this is now four or five times as expensive. But uh, another issue that's not going away is the price of oil. We're going from uh, chips to energy, the two big things in the world. And OPEC Plus has made some recent moves here. So Atul, what, what's your take on that? Well, they cut uh, production by 1.18 million barrels per day, which is no small amount, considering that the global production is roughly 100 million barrels per day. So it's a 1% cut. Earlier, Russia had announced a voluntary cut of half a million barrels mm -hmm. per day. So you're having a squeeze on the supply side. Remember that uh, the predictions are that this year we will have record demand. So let us so walk through the logic. Supply goes down, demand goes up. So in price of oil is likely to remain higher. The pressure on up, there'll be upward pressure on the price of oil, which means inflationary pressures will feed into the economy, which means that central banks will have to raise interest rates, which means that banks will be in greater trouble, such as Credit Suisse, yes. such as Silicon Valley banks. Yes which means that banks could go under and this could feed into a larger contagion into the economy. It may not, but that risk has just gone up. So pressure on banks at a time when banks are struggling in exactly. some ways. But, but that's all the what. Yeah. I get that. What's the, where's the why? Why do it now? Why do it now? Well, read the tea leaves. What has happened uh, after the Russia-Ukraine war has been a realignment. Saudi Arabia, had a deal with the US. That deal was first brokered by Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Ibn Saud. We will guarantee your fat ass on the throne <laughs> and you will feed our addiction to oil. Yeah, fat or old, used to be old. Exactly, used yeah. to be old. Now, over time, America has become energy independent and therefore, America doesn't need Saudi Arabia as much. Besides, when the Arab uprisings happened, Barack Obama was appreciative of the democratic winds of change blowing through the region. This really made uh, the House of South very vulnerable. When Joe Biden was campaigning, he said he would make Saudi Arabia a pariah state. This made them further cross. So basically, Saudi Arabia has now done a deal with Iran. They're a historic Shia enemy. They are a Wahhabi Sunni uh, kingdom. Sure. And they've done a deal with the revolutionary power. And remember in 1979, the revolution succeeded in Iran. There was the mm -hmm. siege of the mm -hmm. Grand Mosque in Mecca that didn't succeed. So the Saudis have always been paranoid about Iran, but now here are these two sworn enemies making out because China said you should make nice with each other. Yeah. And so enter the dragon in the Middle East for the first time. Well, and to go back to your point about Biden, yes, Biden did sort of you know, hit the nose of, of the Saudis, but he also did something else. And that is that he wanted to reduce the use of oil, the production of oil in America. America used to have a little bit of yeah, leeway there. you have fracking, you have, you have natural gas, and this whole uh, push towards clean and green energy means that America now has a weak spot and the Saudis are now pinching on it. Because, look, it's in the- As demand is rising, because exactly. now Europe is relying more on imports. Exactly, absolutely, because the Russian gas has been cut off. So what has happened? Demand has risen, supply in America has gone down, supply from Russia has been cut off to some degree, mm -hmm. um, and the Saudis are exporting now, their biggest importer is China, 
as Glenn Cole always says, that back in the days of colonization, trade followed the flag. Now the flag follows trade because yes. now their economic destiny is east. Yes. And because it's in their interest for the price of oil to be up, and also because the Saudis are more comfortable with authoritarian regimes uh, such as Russia and China and don't like America's democratic agenda, in particular, the Democratic Party's democratic agenda, universal democratization of the world, they have said, look, we were in love once, we had great times, but now we are hopping from your arms into the Chinese bed. Yes. And by the way, it's uh, we are going to make money out of it, so screw you. Yes, and, and those pressures have become so acute, President Biden did something he very much didn't want to do and was pilloried for it. He approved some leases in the Arctic, uh, Arctic National Wildlife Refuge, and there will be a, quite a bit of production in the future, but progressives in this country didn't like it. But I think Joe Biden recognized that the pressure is too acute. It's too yeah, big a political liability. But that's the America view. This, that is this, the this, this, uh, and that is relevant but, to America. But for globally, this is a terrible step because globally, the price of oil will mean sustained inflation in food, fuel, and fertilizer prices. Lots of poorer countries, yeah. particularly in Africa, will not be able to shoulder the debt burden with rising interest. They will go under. They will struggle to make interest rate payments. You will probably get some regimes tumbling, such as Sri Lanka tumbled. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so we are looking at massive implications, particularly in the poorer countries, where we'll see a lot of suffering, more hunger, more financial distress, and the entire uh, edifice of the global economy, particularly with debt, which about a couple of years ago, it was 256% of the global GDP. That debt, particularly sovereign debt, will increasingly look iffy. Well, on that happy note, I guess this is the this is the <laughs> chaos podcast. So <laughs> let, let, let's look at the bright side. Hopefully, you will graduate from elderly ladies to young women. Well, uh, like, like another Republican, Donald Trump. I, I, I think the listeners were more enlivened and happier when they heard about porn star payoffs <laughs> than the doom and chaos we presented after that. But you know, there it is. Well, thank you all for listening and uh, Atul. Signing off here. Yeah, yeah. And, and make sure that you uh, subscribe to our podcast uh, on um, Spotify, on Google. You sign up for our newsletter, uh, which is free. You follow us on social media if you're on social media. And you can write to us. Uh, both Christopher and I would love to hear from you. We want feedback. What are the topics you want us to talk about? In the future, we will be doing a deep dive on debt. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, and uh, and uh, it'll begin with American debt, and that Christopher will hold forth. You'll hear the Republican <laughs> view on that. And then he will grill me on- Hey, facts are facts, exactly. man. Exactly. You know? And he can grill me on global debt. There we uh, go. And there you go. So, right. uh, so far, so good. All the best. Bye for now. Cheers, y'all.